0: We read the entire chapter. Our text is taken from verses 7 through 20. We're not going to reread that section, but we pay careful attention to especially the middle of the chapter as that pertains to the text for the sermon this evening. We hear the inspired infallible word of our God. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in his house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her, or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that she had left, that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him, according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant, which thou hast brought unto us, came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. We read God's word that far. May God bless his word to our hearts. You children know this history. Joseph was sold by his brothers into Egypt. Joseph was a believer. That God was the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And Joseph maintained faith through that intense trial. A faith that displayed itself in the face of temptation. He was in the midst of an ungodly environment. And easily Joseph could have been consumed and overwhelmed with the sinfulness of the lusts of the world that was present in Egypt we find Joseph standing faithful by God's grace. And Joseph serves as an example to all of us, especially to our youth. Joseph lived in an adulterous, pagan society, as we do. Joseph maintained chastity through his trust in God. And as we face challenges in life, we're reminded of the wonder and the power of God's grace You can remain faithful, and you must remain faithful, and you will by God's grace, as did Joseph. We take as our theme, Joseph, faithful in temptation, noting the strong temptation, the remarkable faithfulness, and the unexpected reward. First, the strong temptation. This familiar history records that Joseph was sold into Egypt to Potiphar. Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh. He was the captain of the guard. And he would be similar to the chief captain of the bodyguard. So at a position similar to that of the secret service, President Biden's bodyguards. And this man now was overseeing those bodyguards so that he had a very prominent and a very important position to maintain. A position that took him away from the home, often because it was his responsibility to watch over and to be present with the Pharaoh. God did not send Joseph anywhere. We see here God's providence as the brothers sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites, and the Ishmaelites now sell Joseph to this Potiphar. God ordaining that this man would be his lord and Joseph would be servant to this one. Now, Potiphar soon saw in Joseph significant gifts and evidences of God's blessing. Isn't it striking that Potiphar himself says, verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him. Potiphar could see there's something different about this young man. God is with him. How did Potiphar know that Joseph's prosperity was Because of God. No doubt Joseph told him. Joseph knew that what he had received was all from God's hand. And Joseph was open about his faith. And willing to talk to Potiphar about his commitment to Christ. To God and to the wonder of God's care for him. Not silent, but a witness. As one who confesses your faith before the church our confession too must be before men so that others see God is with us. God is the one watching over us. Those who interact with you at college next year or in the workplace see that you're committed to God and to His glory. And they see your words, they see your conduct, they see your work ethic. And they know that your allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Potiphar came to trust Jesus. Trust Joseph to such a degree that according to verses 4 through 6, we read that Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house of and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. Tremendous responsibility is placed upon Joseph. And Joseph is 18 to 20 years old at this point, a responsibility we would hesitate to place on our own sons. And yet Potiphar is willing not only to entrust this responsibility to this young man, but to a Hebrew slave, This is a remarkable testimony to the diligence and the faithfulness that God worked in the life of Joseph. Christian young men and women must be responsible, hardworking. They must be a witness to their employer. It must be evident that they are laboring and working for a higher motive than merely money. They serve God. And Joseph here is a good representative of what we as young people ought be. As young men, young women, we ought be among the best employees around. Because we're working diligently. We're not robbing our employer. We're trying to be faithful stewards of what God has given us. And we're laboring for God and for His glory. Our attitude, our work ethic matters. And others see that in us. They see evidence. This person is different. This one is not like others. But this one stands out. In a day and age in which young people are seeking to be lazy, showing up late to work, on their phones, and as a result often losing their jobs, you need to stand out as those who represent God in this world as Christians. As you represent God, the question is, what will they think of Christ? As they see you, as they see me, and as they know that we're Christians by profession, that we attend Christian churches, what will be their conclusion? Will it be that they say that they're Christian, but their walk sure doesn't show it? Or will it be that they see in you evidence that you are those who walk with Jesus. If we profess to be Christians, but then are lazy, are using foul language, are constantly talking about godless entertainment, what kind of a witness are we sending forth? Joseph stood out by God's grace. And the result of this is that Joseph's employer noticed this difference. And so it is, by God's grace in our lives, we're noticed by our walk and by our attitude and by our conduct. And as such, even the world is attracted to those who work hard, who are diligent, who are faithful and desire them for their employees. In addition, the world is attracted too to the chastity, the so-called innocence of young people who are Christians. And they see in that something that they would desire. Joseph was handsome. He was attractive. He was a young man. And as such we read, he was a goodly person and well favored. The temptation came when Pharaoh's wife noticed that. And she became carnally enamored now with Joseph. And that too will happen. There will be those who see In us, something that they desire in a carnal way. Here was Joseph, uncorrupted from the Egyptian society, an intelligent young man. Everything he's touching is prospering. He's goodly. He's well favored. And Potiphar's wife now throws herself at Joseph. She already had a husband. Now she wanted Joseph. Even you little children know. That's wrong. God has ordained that one man, one woman, marry. And if a man has a wife, then that man may not pursue another woman. If a woman has a husband, she may not pursue another man. Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph along with her husband. And so she throws herself at Joseph at a time when Joseph is a young man, his sexual desire is strong. The strength of these desires can be so strong at times that they're well-nigh irresistible for young men. If a young woman shows interest and makes herself available for sexual advances, most young men would eagerly comply. And on top of that, we have here an accomplished seducer, a treacherous woman who would do everything in her power to realize her sinful lusts. Notice from the text that she says to Joseph, lie with me. Joseph refuses her, but she continues to pursue him so that she makes his life miserable day in and day out. She's watching for him. He's watching himself extremely carefully. He's conducting himself in a manner that is upright, not wanting to be alone in the house, trying to take precautions. And yet, finally, She catches him again. Relentless she is in her pursuit of Joseph. She's not taking no for an answer. And God here records then the peak of those temptations, the culmination of likely days and months of continued ongoing temptations. Verse 10 reads, Day by day. Now it's not difficult to imagine how A woman could seduce a young unsuspecting man. And the book of Proverbs talks about that. Solomon writes to his son and he warns his son about the temptresses and the sexual temptations that open themselves up, especially to young men. So through the book of Proverbs, we find what are the main concerns that a father has for his son. And that which stands out among the others is that of sexual temptation. And the book of Proverbs written then to address that matter and warning precisely about this kind of a woman. Using her eyes, using her body, using her clothing or the lack thereof to seduce one who's persistent. One who's bold. One who's forceful in her desires. And finally, she grabs him. She pulls him. Lie with me. What would you have done? What would I have done in that situation? We need to examine our hearts. We need to confess our sins, beloved. So quickly, our love for and devotion to God is gone. And lust and passion take its place. So quickly, we give in to the temptation and we experience then the shame and the guilt that follows. This temptation especially was difficult, no doubt, for Joseph during this time period of his life. Joseph, as a young man, did not have a father or mother now or brothers or sisters close by him. He wasn't having to be an example to anyone. He was alone. The authorities were far away. Potiphar was far away. He would be able to increase his influence through a relationship with this woman. This might even be the way that he could accomplish his freedom. One can understand how the devil can work and how the mindset of one can begin to think. And Joseph had a depraved nature. He was a brother of Reuben. Remember, Reuben defiled himself with his father's concubine. He's a brother of Judah. Remember what Judah did. Judah went into someone whom he thought was a prostitute who ended up being his daughter-in-law. The culture of Egypt was given over to the pursuit of lust and pleasure and sin and shameless living. And this kind of behavior was considered normal, acceptable. Often, don't we immediately think, will I get caught? If Joseph would have thought along that line, the possibility of him getting caught was slim to none. He could enjoy the pleasures of sin without fear of having to be exposed or caught. Joseph was in a situation where the immediate consequences of refusing the temptation were greater than going along with it. And you've been there, and I've been there. We feel that kind of a temptation. It's easier to just go along with the temptation than try to stand up over against it. And so often we take then the easy way. We give in. We enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But is there really any joy? There's shame. There's guilt. And God in His mercy works repentance and sorrow in our hearts. And we cry out for forgiveness. We live in a similar culture Though America is a Christian nation, sexual temptations abound. And it's normal for couples to live together before they marry. Husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, shamelessly pursue pornography. They pursue that which is found in books, movies, internet, television. And the devil is relentless in the pursuit of that evil. He makes it so easy. We have smartphones. Click of the button. And we're there. Snapchats that lure us in. He makes it so that it's so easy for us to enjoy the pleasures of sin. And we don't have to worry about getting caught so often. We can do it in the privacy of our own room. We can quick clear the history of our phone or the computer. Weekly, more sexual scandals are uncovered, even within the church. And the depravity of man is exposed and in the spotlight. And the church isn't immune. Sexual sins abound in the church where the devil is at work. Men and women lose their virginity long before marriage. They don't save themselves for Christ or for their spouse. The giving in to these temptations, prostitution, incest, child abuse, adultery, rape, abortion... Tragically, these sins are found also within the church, among God's people. And we as Protestant Reformed churches have and will continue to deal with these sins. We must not be naive. The temptations are great. And the devil is pursuing the church. He's working hardest among the people of God. And he has no greater joy than to destroy marriages, to destroy families, Up. Unrest cause unrest in churches because of sexual sins that abound. He knows that strong families, strong churches are a threat to his work. And so he exerts tremendous pressure on us. Pressure on us as men, as husbands and fathers. Pressure on us as women, as wives, as mothers. If it were not for the constant grace of God, we would fall every day. We are such fools. We think that we can stand in the midst of temptation. And we put ourselves in situations of temptation. We have internet access. Access on our phones. So that sexual temptations are so quick and so easy for us to pursue. We have books laying around that we probably ought not have. DVDs. Internet access that perhaps we ought not. And we allow our children access to it so that they too quickly can get caught up in this temptation. Sometimes we spend too much time in intimate conversation with members of the opposite sex. And we get ourselves in a situation where we are beginning to commit an emotional affair. We say no, but our behavior, our dress says yes. We say no, but then We're willing to go to a secluded area with a boyfriend, a girlfriend. And we play with fire. The devil is gleeful. Another has fallen. Joseph was innocent. Joseph stood faithful. He did not put himself in temptation. He did not bring it on. He did not encourage it with his flirting. And when it came, he resisted. And there are times we do the same. And we still find ourselves in a situation Of being accused and wrongly treated. That too. Joseph's history instructs us in. But beloved, we see here above all the power of God's grace. And we see the power of that grace and the remarkable faithfulness with which Joseph stood. Joseph said no. And he fled temptation. Again, what would you have done? What would I have done? He immediately says no. There's no delay in the face of fornication. Often to delay is to fall. His response is immediate. His response is firm. His response is kind. And his response is very brave. He knows how powerful she is. But his response is immediate. Again, an attractive woman throws her body at you. She wants you. Your dad and mom, they're not going to know about it. Your wife and children, they're not going to find out. Most likely, you can get by without, without getting caught. And so the excitement of the moment overwhelms you. Joseph resisted as a faithful child of God. And we pray for that grace. That in the midst of temptation, we respond without delay, promptly, firmly, With courage. Joseph showed that he was a faithful servant of God. He was a slave of Jehovah God. He would not be a slave to sin. He was a slave to Jehovah. And as a servant of Jehovah, he would serve his master, Jehovah. Now the most striking thing of this is the clear motivation that Joseph gives. Joseph's motivation shames us. And Joseph's motivation is such. In verse 9, there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That's his motivation. Joseph didn't consider the consequences and make a decision based on self selfish considerations. Joseph single-heartedly had a desire to love God and to love his Heavenly Father. His relationship to his God was so precious that nothing would stand in the way of it. He had been forsaken by his family, but he had Jehovah. And his relationship to Jehovah was precious. And because he loved God, he would be faithful. Because you love God, you refrain From temptation. You flee fornication. The issue is not, will my parents find out? The issue is not, are my parents watching? The issue is, what would God think of it? Is God watching? I stand before God. My covenant God, who loved me from eternity, who gave his own son to die in my place. My God, to whom I owe my all. He's the one before whom I stand. And he knows everything, he knows what I'm thinking. He knows the circumstances and situation. My love for God means so much to me that I will follow Him. And I don't even need my parents. I don't need my teachers constantly watching over me. Beloved, where is that motivation today? By God's grace, it's among His saints in the hearts of His children. Today, many refrain from sexual sins Purely because of the consequences. Rape, sodomy, child abuse, incest. It's going to get you in big trouble in the eyes of the state. And therefore, the fear of getting caught compels one to avoid it. The motivation of our society is go ahead, enjoy those things. Just don't get caught. And therefore, pornography becomes such a huge business. Beware, beloved. Pornography will lead to far more hardened sins. It always does. Guard your eyes. Don't allow your eyes to fall upon the filth of the world. Drink from your own cistern. Be satisfied with the wife whom God has given to you. And pray for grace to abstain if chastity is what's demanded as one who's single. In our day and age, safe sex is put forth as that which is fine so long as you don't get pregnant, so long as it's consensual, so long as there's no diseases involved. There's a place for warning. There's a place for consequences at times. But that's never going to keep you from falling into sin. Fear of consequences is not strong enough to keep one faithful to God. If that's one's only motivation for purity, you're not walking with God. You're not trusting in God to preserve and to keep you and you will fall. Three things are evident in this motivation. As we stand before God with a commitment to live new and holy lives, we need to challenge ourselves seriously to consider Joseph's motivation. And note these three things. First of all, Joseph loved his neighbor. That's evident here. Joseph's point is Behold, my master wadeth, that is, knoweth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand, but you, because you're his wife. Joseph loved Potiphar. Potiphar was a wicked master, but Joseph knew God's commandments, and Joseph knew the command of God to love one's neighbor. Out of love for Potiphar, Joseph would not touch Potiphar's wife. To do so would be an act of hatred against Potiphar, clearly forbidden by God. You love the husband of the woman who is making eyes at you so much that you refuse. And if necessary, you have to leave that job and go find a different job so that you're not in the face of that temptation. You love your girlfriend and her father and mother so much that you view defiling her as an act of hatred Against your neighbor. You love your boyfriend so much that you want to do everything in your power to keep him faithful to God. You love your children so that you do everything in your power to keep them out of temptation. Love for the neighbor. First of all, is evident here. We love the neighbor. And we love the neighbor for God's sake. That secondly... Love for the neighbor flows out of a love for God. Joseph loved God. That secondly is the motive here. He had one with whom he could stand. Everybody else had forsaken him. His brothers sold him into slavery. He spent lonely hours with God. His only friend. The friend that sticks closer than a brother. And now he was faced with this question knowing clearly God's will, would he forsake this one true faithful friend? Would he depart from Jehovah and go stand alone? Joseph loved the fellowship that he had with God. He lived in the conscious wonder of the love of God and that love for him. And he knew that physical adultery was only a symptom of spiritual adultery, a far more serious and greater sin. So great was his love for God and his enjoyment of fellowship with God that the idea of yielding to temptation wasn't even an option. It was an impossibility. How could I sin against God? I love God. He's given me a savior. He's the one who preserves and keeps me. He's my friend. And finally... Fornication is great wickedness. And the Bible is clear. Flee fornication. With regard to this sin, the Bible emphatically emphasizes. Flee. You can't stay for a while. You can't engage in it. The devil quickly will pull you along the way that leads to destruction. Sin is sin regardless of the clever, clever cloak that the devil tries to give it. And it's sin before the face of Jehovah. God sees everything that we do. God is watching. He's a holy and righteous God. And regardless of how secret or hidden those sins are, they are great wickedness. Love for the neighbor. Love for God. And an awareness of the seriousness of sin. Fleeing fornication. Those three things are Joseph's Expressed motivation. Now, beloved, in Joseph's faithfulness, we here see the power and wonder of God's love. God so works in the hearts of our children, a power so great that he's able to work in them tremendous sacrifices for the sake of God's glory. How could Jacob know that his son would stand in the midst of this kind of temptation? Jacob didn't deserve to have a son who would stand and withstand this temptation. We don't. But this is the wonder of God's grace and God's faithfulness in our generations. God preserves covenant among his own. We walk in communion with him. We love him. We flee from sin. He preserves and keeps us by his grace. When God takes one and makes that one His covenant friend, God gives that person everything necessary to withstand temptation and to walk with Him. Never may we say, but the temptation was too powerful, but I was too weak, but there's no room for excuses. The power of God's grace in the hearts of His children is such, He will preserve and He will keep us. He will give us that way out. It may be difficult. It may mean even admonishing close friends. Maybe even losing friends and family members. Maybe even standing alone from a human perspective. Never say you can't resist. Never say the temptation, the pressure is too great. That's a slap to God. A covenant-keeping, faithful, holy God who by the power of His Spirit preserves and keeps His own in holiness. The grace that God gave to Joseph is the same grace that you and I have in Jesus Christ. And that grace is able to preserve and to keep his own. We must be close to that God. Walking with that God. If we're running away from that God, we're not looking to him for strength. We're then leaning on our own strength and we will fail. Young people, you need to remember, your relationship to God is the only thing that keeps you faithful. Your walk with God is your strength. The fact of God's presence by His Spirit is what will preserve and keep you. That's what preserves us in our marriage. That's what preserves us in our single life. And so, we need to be in the Word. Reading the Bible as God's love letter to us. Setting before us strength and confidence in the face of temptation. Praying for that strength to live in love toward the neighbor and toward God and to know the horror of sin and to flee from it. Praying for strength to live as God's covenant friend and to maintain that walk with Him in everything that we do so that we are a witness and that that's evident in us and through us so that others around us see The Lord is with him. The Lord is with her. Great sacrifice is required of us. But that sacrifice is possible by God's grace. And we remember, any sacrifice we make cannot begin to compare to what God did for us. He gave his own son for us. Now as a result of this faithfulness, Joseph suffered. And that's striking as well. What a reward for obedience. There are those who teach. If you do what's right, your life's going to be good. Your life will be well. If you obey God, God's going to bless you in all kinds of earthly ways and things are going to go well for you. Look at Joseph's situation. Joseph obeys God. He gets wrongly accused and thrown in jail. And very easily, his head could have been removed as Murder would have been the appropriate sentence for the crime that he is accused of. Obedience to God often results in earthly shame, earthly humility. This sinful woman lies about Joseph. And increasingly, we live in a day and age where those lies stick. A woman lies about your son. A woman lies about you. And now, you need to deal with the consequences of that lie. And you're going to spend time in jail, perhaps. Your life is going to be ruined in a certain sense. But what do you do? You look to God. And you look to the power of His grace. And you trust. He is faithful. This may well be our earthly reward for walking in obedience. You refuse to work on Sunday, you lose your job. You refuse to go along with the politics in the office or the corruption that's taking place in the workplace. You lose your promotions. You refuse to give in to temptation. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend don't want anything to do with you anymore because they want to go further than you're willing to go. You refuse to go drinking with your friends. They mock you. They now call you a holy roller. And they use all kinds of slanders against you so that now you find yourself alone. We expect There's going to be troubles in the way of obedience. Obedience is not going to result in worldly peace. Rather, the opposite often is going to be true. Obedience is going to result in trouble and strife and perhaps even greater loneliness. Joseph faces the slander of the woman, the wrath of his master, but he looks to the mercy of his God. God is faithful. God will not cast off his own. And God's good providence and God's hand is also seen in this history, even though Joseph could not have been able to see it. But again, we stand in awe. Joseph now is thrown into jail. And what do we read? What's the first thing we read? But the Lord was with Joseph. Remember that. God is with you. The Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy. And we find Joseph now in the prison. Rising quickly to be the best prisoner there. Respected by the head of the prison. Pretty soon the head of the prison is entrusting everything to Joseph. Pretty soon Joseph is running the prison. What a marvelous wonder again. And again, why? Because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. God's ways differ from our ways. But pray for the grace to see God's hand in your life and to submit to it and to believe he's with me. Even though it seems as though everything's against me, it seems as though I'm wrongly accused, the wrath of men is rising up against me, I find God's mercy. I see God's love. And I cling by faith to my faithful heavenly father who will not leave me, who will not forsake me. God in his good providence, as you're well aware, saw to it that Joseph ended up in a prison where the king's prisoners were cast. And that was, again, all in God's providence because Joseph had to meet up with a future prisoner who would be key in bringing Joseph to the exalted state that he would attain. Something Joseph, again, could never have imagined. But God had a purpose. God had a plan that he was working out. And even though Joseph couldn't understand or see it, God gave him grace to submit and to trust his God. We need also to trust God's providence in our lives. God knows what's best for me. By losing that job, by losing that friend, God's opening the way for greater blessings. By the consequences of my sin, in this way or the other, we trust God has a purpose. He has a plan. And ultimately, God rewards Joseph here with peace in his soul. Those who give in to temptation, as we well know, as we've done, don't experience peace. There's shame, there's guilt, there's sorrow. And that shame and guilt just increases until God, in His love and goodness, brings us to repentance. And we turn from that sin, we cry out for mercy, and we pray for the strength now to stand and to withstand Repentance means that we're not only sorry for what we did, we pray that God now will keep us from further falling into that sin. And we look to Him. Unrepentant sin has its reward. Shame, guilt, and without repentance, an everlasting reward of suffering in hell. But by God's grace, He cares for His own. He preserves his children. He brings us to see and to confess our sin. And then gives us strength to resist and to be faithful. He does so not because of anything of ourselves. We're sinners. We commit sin in our mind, in our thoughts, in our actions. We know and we confess. The only difference between me and someone who's not a child of God is the fact that we're both sinners. But God makes me sorry for my sin. He works in me a genuine, sincere repentance. He makes it so that I hate that sin. Because I love my neighbor and I love God. And He works in me the desire to do what's right out of thankfulness to Him. He saved me. He delivered me. He's my God who never fails. And therefore, I desire to live unto Him. And God works that grace in the hearts of His children. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner, strengthened by God's goodness and mercy. And I go forward, not in my own strength, but in His strength. In the hope of His word and His promise. Don't rely on your own strength. Walk with your God. And God directs us to the one alone who's able to keep and preserve us, our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He took all of our shame on Himself. He took all our guilt on Himself. And He nailed it to the cross so that all the shame, all the guilt is gone. Your sins, my sins, as gross and grievous as they are, they're forgiven. And God casts them into the sea of utter forgetfulness. And He works faith in our hearts by which we believe that. And we go forward as those who know and believe. God is faithful. I have a Savior who loves me with an everlasting love, who is my strength. And my song. And he's the one for whom I live. Beloved young people, live out of your confession. And trust that God will give you the victory. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, strengthen us in the midst of the battle. The battle is fierce. We fail. Give us courage to stand and to withstand. And give unto us above all to know, we have a faithful Savior in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who will never leave or forsake us, who will not cast us off, but who forgives us in tenderness and in love, and who will preserve us unto that glorious eternal reward that is ours in the new Jerusalem. Preserve and keep our young people. May we be examples to them as adults. For Jesus' sake, amen.